I wasn't happy with something straight away. Yeah. And as it happened, he was born at one o'clock. At, at three o'clock the next morning, I was there writing an email to myself with timeline notes, diary notes, because you just know you're going to forget stuff. From that point, it became, what can I do for him? Yeah. He's not alive. Yeah. I can't be a father in life. What can I do for yeah. him? Greetings, everybody. This is the Still Parents Podcast. My name is Dan. This is episode 57, and it is part two with Tom Hender, who uh, recently joined us back on episode 55. The link is in the description. So if you're new to the podcast and haven't listened to, I mean, you could, I suppose you could listen to this one first and then go back and listen to Tom's first part if you're that way inclined. Go rogue. Yeah, go rogue. That is Matt Whitehouse. How are you, Matt? You okay? Very well, apart from coming back off holiday. So I was a miserable. I wouldn't want to swear. Go on, you can swear. It's all right. Good no, grown ups. Fine. It's fine. You're a miserable what? This, mo- this morning, I was like, this is like rubbish being back here. Yeah. Where's the sea? Where's Where's, the, where where's, did you go? Swanage. Very nice. Where is that? Jurassic Coast. It's like... Where, sorry, where? It's, the, it's actually called the Jurassic Coast. Is it? I've never, I've never heard of that. No, Have yeah. you ever heard of the Jurassic Coast, uh, Tom Hender? Yeah. I knew it existed. I didn't know where it was. There you go. Uh, Yes, lovely, lovely place. Really nice. Lots of beer, lots of ice cream. So now I've got to go running even more than I do now <laughs> to get rid of the weight that I've put on. So. I've been on your jollies. And hello to Ryan. How are you? Oh, no, hang on then. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's not here, is he? Well, no, this is weird. Where is, where is Ryan? They're watching Pink down in London. Oh, have we done any without the three of us? Like all three? Well, there's only been one occasion when I had to depart one episode back in the Zoom days. <laughs> yeah, I can remember that. Your girls, your girls kicking Well, up. yeah, the, house, the girls were about to burn the house down. Yeah, My wife was, I can't, she was working away, I think, me at the and time, Ryan had and to I carry- tried. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. And I scooched off. Yeah. But, um, how are you, Tom Hender? Welcome back on. Yeah, all good. Another hot day again. It's only two weeks since you were last with us on episode 55. Like I said, the link's in the description. And if you'd like to go listen to that episode in full, and then you can come back on. And if there's any questions that you would like to ask Tom as well, we can get those over to him. You can message those through our Instagram, Still Parents Podcast, our Twitter, Still Parents Pod, and our website, which is the stillparentspodcast.co.uk. Tom, thank you very much for rejoining us. Have you listened back to your episode? Yeah, I've had a listen. It, it was always odd listening to your own voice. I have to say, Tom, the one bit that really, that bit where you were telling the story mm. and you... Joked. You, you showed up. No, yeah. absolutely. We get taken through to the, uh, the cubicle and she puts the Doppler on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is where it gets real. Yeah. Right? The thing is, I, I have this story off Pat. I was just about to say, and there was no heartbeat. And and I know that's coming. I knew that was coming yeah. in the car, if I'm honest, mm. on the way in. Mm. That showed the realness of what we do and the subject. And I think it's something you know. that knocks you off your feet. Absolutely right. It's that moment when I have to say there was no heartbeat, mm. which now we're a couple of weeks down the line. It's a bit more... Yeah. It's a bit duller because I've mentioned it recently. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, it, it does get to you when you haven't mentioned it for a while. There's a lot to your story, and like I said, you can go back and listen to the first one where we we gave the the outlook of what happened and the moments leading up to the loss of Aubrey that Tom and is it is your wife, isn't it, Eva? It is wife, yeah. Went through, and you pregnant again, aren't you? I know, yes. twenty five weeks now, twenty six weeks tomorrow. Is it twenty six weeks tomorrow? Yeah. So there's uh, there's that going on. Where would you like to start, Tom? I think the key thing is I didn't actually get to his birth last time. <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff, but we didn't get there. Yeah. So I'd like to just at least start off with that. Let's go for it. So we're in this room. Eva's gone into labour. 
I think when we had the second scan to say he's not there, mm. she was about one centimetre dilated. Okay. About three or four in the morning, midwife came in, did a did another inspection, and she was about three centimetres. And at that point is the first time we thought what we might know. She told us she could feel the cord underneath his head. That's the first indication. I mean, obviously we know he's not there. First indication of what might have happened. And interestingly, that one's not in the notes anywhere. Oh, is it not? No, not at all. Eva's progressed. Obviously, because there's no concern for the baby anymore, we were able to get her medicated. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. And I think eventually she worked up to being ready to push and did come out with his cord first. So that was one thing to us that we didn't expect and that comes into it later. He was delivered about, well, no, it was. It was one nineteen on the 5th of May. And she did amazing. Yeah. She really did. She's given birth. Yes, she's got morphine. She's got no uh, no oxytocin, no lubrication, no help, no muscle tension from the baby. She did amazing. I was counting. Mm. And there was times when I ran out of counting and she was still pushing. It was things I didn't know a human could do. Wow. So watching it, she was absolutely brilliant. It's just, uh, just even... Wow, then it... Like we talk about females and males, right? And I, and we, this conversation has mm. been like a big one throughout time, hasn't it? We, yeah. We women say it can, could men, yeah, do the baby stuff like? No, I, I, no, I don't. Because it's been fraught with like, with you know, dangers and risks for, from the history of time. And yeah. I guess looking at it that way, to I mean, I think there's probably never been. I'm using quotations. I know you can't see me doing it a safer time to yeah. have a, a baby delivered because of the medical science we've got compared to... I mean, I'm only thinking of scenes from Braveheart when he's yeah. out in a field, you know, <laughs> and there's no one there apart from a go at axe and an apple. Right? But, <laughs> so, I mean, but it, no, I know what look, you're saying. It, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Moving on emotionally to that, going out and as, as Tom was just saying about how well Eva did, but also under the circumstances yeah. of knowing yeah. what's, what what's, the end point what the is. End point is. Yeah, and, and, and we had, as I said last time, we'd started off with C-section. Mm. And through one way or another, it just progressed to natural labour. And it was the best thing that happened. Yeah. And it's the best thing for bonding as well, because she has given birth to Aubrey. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, it's brilliant. and it was it was hard. She was morphined up, but she remembers most of it. Okay. And yeah, I think it's probably been a good thing for her that things progressed that way. Yeah. 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 How about yourself being in there? Um, during that, yeah, it was tough. I was very focused on just supporting her. Yeah, you were in the you were in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. I, I was just there. What do you need? What do you need? Mm. Going to like a zone. Did, <laughs> did actually have one of those abnormal heart warnings come off on me <laughs> on my watch? Oh, really? Yeah. Really? So it's the only time it's ever happened. I know it's there. Oh, but, on your watch? Yeah, yeah my watch. Oh, I don't have a smart watch. What does that do? That's... I think it's like any sustained heart rate above whatever it's at hundred that's not exercise. <laughs> and it was like. Okay, it's been tough, quite a tough that's, day then. That, that's, that's my... I've got one of them, but I've never had that. But if you did, you'd probably scared it. you turn it off before you go to bed. Right, that's it, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, sod it, don't care. Wow. So, okay. Um, if, can, it's a hard question, but do you, can you talk us through, for people listening who go through this situation, maybe a friend that they're looking to support, the moments in the delivery room after the birth... The midwife took him over to the to the counter. I don't think that happened straight away. He was given straight to Eva. Yeah. Did the measurements. They offered me to cut his cord. Mm-hmm. Didn't do it because I was never going to do it anyway. Oh, okay. can I ask why not? I, I just didn't. It's a stereotypical father's role. What can the father do? He can cut, the, right. cut the cord. Yeah. Well, if that's all I'm good for. Okay. <laughs> so I just kind of like, now I'm going to be his father. Yeah. 
I don't need to cut the cord. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine, yeah, um, fair enough. And so I was like, no, are you sure? No, I wasn't going to do it anyway, mm. so why, why am I yeah. going to change that now? Um, weighed him, measured him. I can't remember if they cleaned... I think Eva cleaned him up, actually, so I don't think... I don't think there was some checks on Eva. Um, she'd gone tachycardic at one point. Nothing, nothing terrible, but obviously that puts another worry into my head, isn't it? Yeah. Christ, I've lost him. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it, it never went far enough that way, mm. just the split second thought. Mm. And yeah, cleaned him up. Um, we spent some time with him. Tom, sorry to cut did you go in to the Jasmine suite then? I, that? I'm sure it was called Room 3. Yeah. From the description, I'm pretty sure it's the same, the same one. Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like the same. There's a sofa in there and all there's, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's, there's a sofa, there's a cup of tea, you know, there's kettles, there's a shower room off it. Yeah. It, it's yeah. set up for that, yeah. for someone who's going to be there for a while. And there's a cot. Which like, is mad, isn't it, Tom? Because yeah. then you're like, you go into that room and it's like, how the hell did I end up here? And you're not that close to all the other delivery rooms either. No. I don't, I don't think we heard... As we were leaving, we saw another baby leaving. Yes, good shout, you know. I, as... Yeah. As I went in and out to make phone calls and stuff, I'd mm. seen people coming and going, but we didn't hear anything from anywhere else. You didn't? No. Which was, I guess great. a lot of that's the layout of the hospital because we've had plenty of yeah. guests who've come on and said the opposite. And we had, I can't it was either Joshua Houston or Chris Douglas in America. And they Joshua had the child. Houston. It was a Joshua, yeah. wasn't it? But again, we mentioned it with the, the, the chimes. Which I can understand why they do. I mean, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? To get so yeah, of. I thought, yeah, I couldn't remember you'd said, I thought if you'd spent time with him, you must have gone into the Jasmine suite a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, we were there. They did. They came back and gave us a memory box. It had got photographs, clay prints of his feet, yeah. the tape measure, the scissors that cut his corder in there with his details in there. And, yeah, we kept him with us in a cold cot. Yeah. And he was perfect. You know, we, we've been told he was small. We're not exactly massive people ourselves. He was under average as our half... Half the people in the world, mate. Yeah, join um, the club. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, lanky over here can be quiet. <laughs> <out there>, but. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're given the option. You know, we, you can keep him in the. You can have as long as you want. Mm. And we had the discussion between us, and I think we decided that we would stay there and keep him with us as long as he even needed to be there medically. Okay. Which ended up being the following afternoon. So you had one overnight. We had you? one overnight. Yeah. Um, How did you find that? It was normal. He was there. I think we didn't want it to become too normal. Does that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we knew we needed to bond with him. We knew we needed to look after him. And it's whatever is normal for you yeah. and yeah. individually in, in your case, because it was different with you and Crystal, wasn't it? Was, you th were you th was it two? Was it three? We had two and a half two days. And a half but first, obviously, we, we talked about it on Crystal's episode about the only reason we stayed the last night is because remember we said about Jamiah and Junior coming up? Oh, you f yeah, your friends. And if yeah, they hadn't yeah. have come up, yeah, yeah, I think we may have gone on the Thursday. He was, yeah. was born Wednesday. And, you know, but um, it's, it's Easter Road. You can't tell, can you? We didn't want, we didn't want to be in hospital without him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we didn't want to... So we didn't want to send him off to the mortuary. And at the same time, we didn't want him to be there without us. So it was just simple. When we leave, he leaves. Tom, did you carry him over to the mortuary? Uh, no, Chapel we didn't. Arrest, we, uh, we, left, we, literally, we left the room and we left him with a midwife. Right. And she said, right, this is what I'm going to do now. I will clean him up again. Okay. And we'll take him over and walk him over. Very dignified. Yeah. Um, but no, didn't want to do that. We wanted to be out there. It's yeah, not yeah. home. Did, did you go back? Sorry, did you go back to the chapel arrest to visit him? Or? No, we we never did. Um, oh, no. He he went to the mortuary. He went to the women's for an external PM. Oh, so he went across. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then we eventually, a couple of weeks later, he came to our undertaker's funeral home. 
Um, and we went to visit him there when he arrived. <laughs> I wasn't happy with something straight away. Yeah. And as it happened, he was born at one o'clock. At, at three o'clock the next morning, I was there writing an email to myself with timeline notes, diary notes, because you just know you're going to forget stuff. From that point, it became, what can I do for him? Yeah. He's not alive. Yeah. I can't be a father in life. What can I do for him? Yeah. The first one was, right, we can give him the funeral. He what he deserves. You can do a hospital funeral. No, thank you. Yeah. Not for us. So I think eventually we, after a bit of a full start on a Saturday morning, calling the funeral home that was just not trying to deal with it. Um, we ended up at the local co-op. We decided we wanted him cremated. Uh-huh. We then found we found a natural burial ground. Okay. So essentially, it's a place where there's no headstones. There's a bit of a timber stump mm-hmm. with a plaque on it. After the funeral, then a couple of weeks later, we took him, dug a hole, planted a tree on his head, and he's there. We ended up buying a family plot. Who in your 30s thinks about buying a family funeral Good question. Plot? Yes, yeah, good question. Um, but yeah, there's room there for, what, five of us on the tree? Again, it comes back to things that you didn't think you'd ever have to do, right? Yeah. We had a list of about five or six different crematoriums on our list. Was there something in particular you were looking for? Was it like a feel? Excuse my language, fuck knows. First of all, I'm like, I'm leaving the house, and I remember really clearly leaving the house that morning to go and look for a cemetery plot for my daughter and I, I couldn't compute anything and we got just to Heath Lane doesn't feel real I bet nah. yeah. and there's two there's two entrances to Heath Lane we now go in the nearer one to Cali but we parked on the other one and walked round and I remember to this day like we you go up the hill to the baby bit and um, I literally saw it made my mind up there and then because it was, it was a windy day and there's loads of windmills going yeah. on the baby plot and I just burst into tears and that was it this is our place. It's gut feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Right, yeah. It's what feels right for you. Yeah. It's interesting you said about several crematoriums because yeah. we had a little bit of a stumbling block that I just think it's worth mentioning because yeah. no one thinks about it. You're sitting there at the funeral parlour and you've got all these children's coffins and there's a woolen one. Wool? Wool. Great. Lovely. There's a wicker one. There's a yeah. painted one. There's a woolen coffin. Oh, well, that'll be nice and comfortable. We'll have that. We'll pay for that. That's great. What they didn't say is that if you're having a woolen one, that then might be a problem for cremation. And it's not a problem for cremation for adults. It's crema- It's a problem for cremation for babies. No way. Because Why? they have to physically... Pl- they use some kind of mechanism. We've all seen it where something slides in. Yeah. For the baby, they have to absolutely... Someone um, has to place him and it's a combustion risk and we had to go around about three... Our funeral director did brilliantly. He phoned around three or four crems mm. and we just said to him, well, this is what we want. This is what we want, can you? Yeah. And, uh, keep going until you find one that will yeah, do that. Yeah. But, and he did it for us, but it was just something, the granular nature of it, you, yeah. know, you just wouldn't think about that. No. And if you're marketing a woolen coffin to, to bereaved parents, should we just put in the, in the brochure that it's not suitable for cremation? I wonder if that was just overlooked by that one particular one. Or oh, I, no, I think, it, I think it was, it's just the brochure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But it's just one of those things that mm. it's like, an added hassle, oh, we can't go there, we can't go there. We can't, no, keep going. And, and they were brilliant. Yeah, okay. They knew what was important to us and they did it. Excellent. But it was just one of those things you could have done without. So that, that takes you down the wrong road of what can I do with him? We can yeah. memorialise him. We've got a nice place at the natural burial ground. We've got a, a memorial bench on our estate. Yeah. 
we've both got tattoos, one of each of his footprints, things like that. Is that what I can see on your arm? Yeah. So yeah, I've caught that. I've got his right footprint, Eva's got his left footprint, and when we stand together, they make a pair of feet. So we've memorialised him. But the other part of what can I do for him is, well, I wasn't quite happy with something. So it's taking that forward. Talk us through how this process got started up to where you are with it. I'd spoken to a midwife that we knew well and she'd asked how I was. And I'd broken down and I hadn't started moaning about him. I'd started moaning about this isn't right, that isn't right. And I'd got this list, all of that email that I'd done. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bereavement midwife said to us, I think you'd benefit from a HSIB investigation, which okay. is yeah. Health Safety Investigation Board. Yeah. And she tried for that. And the upshot was that they only do those from 37 weeks. But we were 36 and 5 and they, Any they were so, not willing to budge. They've got to... I know. Sorry, yours to, was what? And they stop at when? So they they will do a HSIB investigation from 37 weeks. And you were 36 and 36 five? 36 and 5. Oh, my God. I mean, come on. That's <laughs> mad, isn't it? It's 48, know, 48 I, hours. I mean, the email was very... It's like a buffer zone, zone, isn't it? She sent it off and they said, yeah, no, absolutely understand, but we have to draw the line somewhere. Oh, yeah. And I get that. I got to see the email. Fine. But we're not allowed that. And the thing that got me is the HSIB is independent. Yeah. And actually what we get is the PMRT, which is a perinatal mortality review tool. Mm-hmm. And that's done in-house at the hospital. It's a reporting tool. Okay. It's what it is. It's what we're allowed. That, so that, that's what you're you dealt. Everyone gets yep. that. That's what you're getting. So at the same time, I knew there's something I'm not happy about. Yeah. Right, who do you speak to? Pals, patient, advice, liaison yeah. service. Yeah, they just directed us straight to complaints. Oh. <laughs> I don't know whether it was the wrong person on the phone. I ended up complaining for the fact of just getting them to tell me how I could do stuff. How do I get his medical records? None of your policies are published. Policies that I'd found online for the hospitals. Oh, you do an FOI. What's an FOI for people? Freedom of information. Yeah. Um, but it was like, what is your policy on PPROM that we talked about yeah. last time? Because the hospital we were at, none of it was publicly available. Did you ask them why? No. Stuff becomes small beer. You've got to fight. Yeah. You can fight. Yeah. No, I hear that. There's there's some terrible things that are just like, oh, well, it's what it is. Yeah. Because you've just got to fight what you can fight. But still, it's, it feels like you know, you're know going through the early stages of grief and the frustration because... some. I mean, it's frustrating at the best of times when you feel like you're banging your head against the wall just trying to get a simple yeah. thing covered or di- or at least acknowledged yeah just acknowledging it sometimes and then, and then but then you throw in how you're feeling as well you I mean you're still at this point I mean at, at this point it became something for me to do so we did that and we got a letter from the bereavement team saying we're going to be doing the PMRT but it'll yeah. take some time yeah this is the process oh and if you have any questions you want to ask here's some space to do it it was half a page of A4 <laughs> that was it. and I'm like what <laughs> So that's about four words of my writing. It was about, it was about eight lines. I'm not going to cover my questions. In no, it. no. So what I decided to do at that point was I wrote my first complaint letter. I essentially wrote our story, mm-hmm. anything I had a concern about, and then a load of questions. Because if you ask a direct question, you should get a direct answer. Absolutely. Sent that off. Said and I said at the end, I know we haven't got the records, we haven't got the FOI, and I reserve the right to ask more questions later. Yeah. Hospital records came in. I read it, you try and become an expert in reading uh, abbreviations. Okay, fine. So that's raised this question, this question, this question, letter number two, and then the freedom of information on the policies came in. Okay, try and read that, try and see what I think about that, try and interpret that. Why is this different? 
And I think at this point I went to an ex-colleague and said, I've got these questions from this. Is it, is it reasonable to send another letter or am I being a, someone who can't accept it? What did they say? He said, from the way you've written that letter and described it, because I'd already got it written, yeah, those are reasonable things to ask. Yeah. So that went off. Did you feel like there was some momentum? Did you feel like they were no. willing? No. no. You know I was going to ask then, <laughs> Absolutely not. We ended up on a, on a thing of where you're sitting on the edge of the seat waiting for that answer. So I think I ended up saying to them, look, I don't care how long it takes. Let's just agree something. If it takes two months, answer all three letters together and do it in three months and we'll agree the end of September or whatever yeah. it is and at least we haven't got to think it's coming on this day. Yeah, yeah. It messes, it plays with you mentally, doesn't it? Because yeah, you just, yeah. if I know that this yeah. isn't going to be dealt with until this is the date and you commit to this date, that means even if it's like four weeks down the line from now, I've got 28 days now where I know I'm not exactly what you just, I could not agree more. I yeah, can box yeah. it off. And it's that, always, it's nagging away like a woodpecker in your head, isn't it? Well, just it comes tapping away like, it is it going to be done? Yeah. adds anxiety, doesn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So eventually what they did was they said, well, we haven't, got, we haven't got the ability to give you an answer to the complaint yet, but we have had our initial PMRT meeting and we can do a, t a meeting with the PMRT team. Mm. We turned up there and I'm not convinced they'd read all of our notes. They simply weren't aware of our concerns, so they can't have read that letter. Mm. Um, and we pushed quite hard on some things. It was a hard meeting. It was a hard meeting for them. I, I, I wouldn't have wanted to be them because there were things they couldn't address. And eventually we, we, we came to the position where we said, well, I want to know about, I want about, want to know about his heart rate trace at 36 weeks. I want to know about what was done when we called up triage. Does it say we had pre-prom? Should we have come in? What is that process? The other thing is that we were presented with the draft post-mortem report at that. Right. And straight away we picked up things. So like the PM had said it's a combined cause of infection vasoprevia and cord prolapse but their draft pmrt report only said vasoprevia so why is that different yeah well we got it changed eventually and so this comes to, to what happened to him essentially right so what sorry to be really ignorant yeah. vaso vasoprevia what is that so what what has actually happened to him is that he's got a normal placenta but the the mother's end of the umbilical cord is not central. It's off to one side. Okay. And because of that, it's got not as great a connection. So you don't get there, right. It's not got great, yeah, as great right. a connection. So we've got that. We've then got cord prolapse. So cord prolapse is when the cord gets caught under the baby. Most of the time, that happens immediately. It's happened to us five days later. Was he in some kind of distress in that trace at the beginning? Yeah, we don't yeah. know. There'll always be a question in our minds saying, well, there was some connection issues. But what we're told is, if you're going to get a cord prolapse and a baby in distress, you see that straight away. Okay, that's fine then, but if there's no water around him, how's the cord got under him afterwards? So, yeah, because so instead of being out. sent back home, yeah, yeah you yeah. could have... Yeah, yeah. and we, we had lots of heart rate monitors while we were in there. We mentioned fainter movements, yeah, yeah. but none of them... He always had a slow heartbeat for a baby. It's usually about 140, he was about 125, and 110 is the, the alarm bell. Low end, yeah, the, okay. the alarm bell. So the CTGs, which is the monitoring, never set any, any alarm bells off. Um, but then how did the cord get underneath? Yeah. It must have got underneath at some point. If there's no water to give him flotation, how did, it must, maybe it was underneath and he rolled on and off it. He, we don't know, but we know the cord came out first. 
And then there's a thing that we didn't know, which was Vasa Previa, which is this poor mm. insertion. Um, there was a concern during the delivery about the amount Eva was bleeding. I think it was about 700 mil. And one of the questions I asked somewhere along the line was, well, where's the blood coming from? Because from the blood test, it wasn't from Eva. What turns out, actually, basically the cords become detached. Yeah. So as we are driving in and Eva's bleeding, it's not Eva's blood. That's Aubrey. That's him. So he's bled out. And Vasa Preview is what it is. Now, we then go back to the fact that what my contentions are, and there's lots of things, like I said, small beer. There's things that I don't care about. Give us the ones that, you know, the ones that you think about the most. Yeah, there's two. There's one that I know we will never win the argument with. Okay. And there's one that I hope we've got a chance of getting some admission. Not, not an admission. Admission's the wrong word. Some acknowledgement yeah, that, yeah. of, oh yeah, that could have been done better or that. So the first one is when we went in at 36 weeks. I know my words were, what are the risks of getting him out versus leaving him in? Yeah. Now, whether the midwife at the time listened to that, that's not in the notes and not recorded anywhere. To me, that's a very clear question. Yes. What yeah. are the risks if the water's not there and the cord can go underneath the head and he can settle, cord prolapse is a risk. Now, going through the motions, learning that most of these happen immediately, yeah, they obviously see that if he's going to settle on the cord, he does it immediately and therefore by having you in hospital for a day and a half, the cord's probably not under him. There was no mention of cord prolapse at all. And I don't think we'd have won the argument at that time. But it puts in our mind that what do we have to do this time? Do I have to have a lawyer on call? Mm. <laughs> is that something you considered? No. Nah. Uh, what we've done, we've actually been referred to, Tommy's have a rainbow clinic up in Manchester. Yeah. And we got to see the professor up there about a week and a half ago. And he checked out and everything's fine. And we'll do some monitoring and this and this. But what we've found is that their midwives say, if you're not happy with anything, give us a call. So what we've got is we've got that person that we can call if we're not happy. Good, okay. Which so settles your mind to a point. Yeah, because yeah. Li literally, before we left hospital on the day that Aubrey died, not the day after Aubrey died, the consultant came to visit us and we sat in a room and said, if the same thing happened again and we asked for delivery at 36 weeks, what would the answer be? And she said, it would depend on the situation. And I went, seriously, and I pointed. I said, he's dead. And I, I understand the need to keep them in for development, but then there's the the informed consent. We'd ask that question. Mm. I think probably things outweigh them. It's not the biggest thing. You'll we'll never get to the bottom of that. We're not thinking about pursuing that at the moment. I mean, I've put it in the letters that I've written, but we should have known that. No matter how small, you can't tell me it wasn't a risk because it's one of the things listed on the post mortem. Can I just take you a step back slightly? So, when I was in that meeting with you and Eva she said two or three times to the people across the table but no one has asked me no one asked me how I was feeling yeah. as well because it's and Eva it, yeah. yeah and it takes it back and I can only come back to our experience but Crystal said exactly the same thing not once did they ask her how she was feeling around Callie and then the 36 week thing 
you're absolutely bang on because Etta came at 36 weeks. But if a nurse hadn't taken, and I've spoke about this already, mm. she hadn't have taken that blood test, they weren't listening to Crystal. Crystal said in front of four professionals in a room, this is going the same way as Callie. If you don't get her out today, and it's right, it's yeah. absolutely right. If that blood test hadn't have been taken, but they don't put, but the woman is the person who is carrying the baby, has all the feelings, knows her body, has got, look, listen, dads get to know the babies over the nine months, right? Or however long, whatever you get. But we can't, we can only feel the kicks and things, you know? We can't feel the actual, you know what I mean? We actually said this yeah. the other week. I, I'm, at some points, I find it harder, harder than Eva. And we've rationalised it to the fact that Eva had him for nine months. Mm. I never had him. Mm. So the other thing is we called up at eight o'clock yeah. at night. Eva didn't start bleeding until we were on the way in after 11 o'clock. We yeah. were told not to go in at eight o'clock that night. They didn't check our records. We told them we were P-Prom. Mm. There's no record checking. There's no peer cross-checking. Our record sheet from that call says P-Prom no. They have said, we think you should have been called in at 8 o'clock. There seems to be a lot of miscommunications. It reminds me of some of the things that Chris Watson was saying on yeah. back on his episode. It's inhumane. Mm. That's it, right? That's mm. it. That's it, mm. it is. And that's a sweeping statement. It is inhumane. That's how you, look, that's how you feel. Yeah. You've been there. So, where we've got to. We've complained we've had a few backs and forths. Yeah. Over, sorry, how long, just, uh, so, over so, how long period of time is this... Up to from there to now, I, I got a response in November. Mm. At which point, I read it and said, "You haven't looked at my third letter." Yeah, I then got an email on the thirty-first of December, when the NHS guidelines for complaints says, "Beware of anniversaries, holidays." Yeah, oh. and I snapped at that point. I started tweeting the chief exec. Oh, did you? Yeah, fair play to you. I snapped. I, I was I was about to doorstep on the first of January, and I thought you can't do that because they'll put you down as aggressive. What? Yeah, what? you have. It's a delicate. Yeah, you know, how you, how you yeah, play yeah. it, being assertive but not being aggressive, read, isn't it? I read the NHS complaints guidelines. You know, twelve o'clock on uh, New Year's Eve. Right, what can I do? Right, I'm going to tweet. I'm going to I'm going to tweet the chief exec. I'm going to copy Tommy's. I'm going to copy Lily May. I'm going to copy the medical correspondent from Midlands today. Did it have an effect? Uh, about a week later, he came back and I got an email. He mm -hmm. said, "Yeah, I can see it hasn't happened." Blah blah blah. He then got back and said, yeah, right, we've got someone on it. He'll have a response by X date. And I got an, a response to all three letters. I got a response end of January, but I think it was rushed because they can't find that piece of paper that says P-Prom no. So essentially, I've had a couple of back and forth with the PMRT team. Yeah. And at the bottom of this, if you're not satisfied. At the bottom of the complaint, if you're not satisfied. And the option is basically legal or parliamentary and health services ombudsman. So, I've done both. Yeah, okay. I probably overwhelmed them with the amount of questions in my initial letters. There was only three letters, but there were over 100 questions. I don't care. Nah. Because at the, mo at, the, at the time, I had no records, no freedom of information, no guidance. Anything that seemed wrong, I asked a question. And through that process, stuff's been ticked off a small beer. Don't care about that. Don't care about that. Care about that, 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 and that. As part of the PMRT, we've had our care changed from, I think it's a C, 
issues found that didn't affect the outcome to a B, which is issues found which may have affected the outcome. To me, that doesn't go far enough. Mm. Because my my argument, in blunt terms, is at 8 o'clock, if we'd been told to go in then, as you've said we should have, or it would have been preferable to us yeah. because there was a change in discharge, he's died via an acute event. Mm-hmm. If we'd travelled in at 8 o'clock, that happened at half past 11, would you have saved him? I don't think any of us can ever say, but he'd yeah. have been in a clinical setting. Yeah, absolutely. Been a different... We wouldn't have been driving down the A34. Yeah. I'm not saying the staff didn't do it intentionally, whether it's the people or the system mm. or the setup. They, they didn't intend to do that to me. They're understaffed. Yeah, I mean, they're incredibly understaffed. And... I, I think they're understaffed. I think the sister, I think different hospitals will be set up differently. Mm. And I think, honestly, most of the people there are trying to do their best, yeah. whether they have a bad day or not. Which is human, isn't it? That's what we all do. The one question that's throughout my mind is there's always this lean towards vasa previa and Mm. not cord prolapse that's never mentioned. It was in the draft PMRT. When you speak to someone, they see it. Even our consultant now with the new pregnancy, we give her the notes. She goes straight to vasa previa. That's the cause. Well, what about the cord prolapse? They're both put down equally. I mean, we, when we mm. when we went to see the professor from Tommy's, he did say the thing is usually you get one of these things, you don't get two or three of them, and I absolutely get that. But we know he had two of them. I'll put infection out the way. We know he had you know, two of them. Yeah. I'm not talking about looking about these things in the first place and looking for two. I'm saying in retrospect, let's at least talk about both of them. But any discussion we've had with anyone, and it might be that we haven't got the medical knowledge, that we're focusing on that part, that we're too focused. Everything goes straight to the Vasa Previa and says that's the cause. Well, it, it is, and yes, he bled out by that. But he also had cord, prelap- cord prolapse. Um, and yes, we are talking to a solicitor. Will it come to anything? I don't know. What do I want out of it? I don't know, but I'm not ready to give up yet. I think it moves all the time with this kind of thing. Doesn't mm. it? it moves and shifts and... You know, I'm not you, so I can't talk for you. But I think if I was in your position, it would be. I think Tom's absolutely right. I couldn't. I couldn't give up. I couldn't. Mm. Um, you know. I, I think. I, yeah. I can't just let it go ignored. It's what can I do for him, and it's still what I can do for yeah. him at this time. What was the date? When? When are you expecting some um, answers? Some. It'll be October, November. Okay. To be honest, Lula's due second of October. <laughs> It's going to go out of my mind. It'll yeah. come and we'll deal with it then. What advice, if any, can you give that you've learnt throughout this process? I think if you have concerns and you have it in you to follow it up, do it, but be prepared to be battered. Yeah. Okay. It's very procedural. <laughs> Tom, I think you've spoke brilliantly over yeah, over, over two episodes, amazing. and I would like you to come on again because I'd like to find out um, in due course when there are updates to give for that, and also to uh, speak about. Is it, sorry, what are you, you said the name of the it, new, it's is Tallulah. It, Tallulah, that's yeah. right. I remember you said last week. Because did you what did you abbreviate it to? Is it Lula? Lula, Lula, Lula. that was it. Before we before we leave this episode, is there anything that you would like to get off your chest? The one thing that's in my mind is I'm very aware that this hour, forty five minutes could quite easily have been taken of me complaining, being the father that won't let go. If that's what it needs to be, yeah, that's well, fine. And, uh, but I'm not intending to. It's ju- I just want no, to but, but I don't think it came across as complaining. No. no. I think it's you're very passionate. passionate. It's been fascinating. 
in the last episode, I complained, not complained, <laughs> in the last episode, I mentioned the birth registering. There are hundreds of things yeah. that have happened that have knocked your confidence. And those are the things well, I mention. But I'm very aware how it could. It doesn't matter. Listen, it's a podcast no, about you've lost yeah. your child. Like, if there's any podcast where it's okay to sound a little bit like, well, fuck you, world, yeah. this is the one. But you haven't. I, I know, but it's overthinking. Now, nah, Tom, don't, don't worry. I've done this for two and a half years and I'm still here somehow, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you know, but it, but it, no, on a serious note, do not worry one bit because ultimately he's your boy. He means everything to you. Bluntly, it doesn't matter what people think. Exactly. In my opinion. It's all I can do for absolutely. him. Absolutely. And it comes back to what you said at the start. Yeah. And like I said, when we come to this subject, yeah. it's raw. It's been absolutely fascinating and I think you've done really well and now nah, don't worry one minute. And both episodes are distinctly different. Absolutely. So thank you very much yep. and we will Brilliant. get you back on. Hopefully yeah. much later. Hopefully much later. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tom. We'll bring this episode to a close. This was episode 57 of the Still Parents podcast. We would love to hear from you if you'd like to come on or even just drop uh, Matt or Ryan uh, a message through stillparentspodcast.co.uk our Instagram Still Parents Podcast Twitter Still Parents Pod and if you do have a spare 60 seconds or so just give us a quick review on whatever platform you're using it's really beneficial I'm sure you hear this on every podcast that you listen to and it's it's true because it helps the podcast to get discovered the more people that engage with it and we really appreciate that I know it's not a podcast you, you, you probably ever thought you'd be listening to or want to listen to but and it's maybe not a podcast I ever thought we'd be doing but we're here now and we're doing it for, for these reasons to hear uh, the stories like the one we've had from Tom over the last two episodes and uh, yeah if you've been if you're brand new if you've been listening for the last couple of years and you'd like to come on for a little bit and it doesn't have to be live it can be a pre-recorded one if, whatever makes you feel comfortable that is the that is the point thank you very much this has been the Still Parents Podcast I'll be back next week yeah we are who have we got? Lucy. 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 That's right. Yes. So we will be uh, we'll be back on that. Take care, one and all, and we will be back very soon for the Still Parents podcast. See you guys. Cheers.